following podcast is sponsored by Robots vs. Dinosaurs. I'm your host, Louis G. Disclaimer, this podcast is about to spoil several movies from 6 to 20 years old. Lou, read off the list. Today, Robots vs. Dinosaurs will be spoiling for you, the listener, Universal Soldier, Total Recall, Universal Soldier 2, Brothers in Arms, Big Hero 6, Universal Soldier 3, Unfinished Business, The Running Man, Universal Soldier 4, The Return, Four Weddings and a Funeral, Universal Soldier 5, Regeneration, One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, and Universal Soldier 6, Day of Reckoning. Hello and welcome to Robots vs. Dinosaurs, the podcast where we watch a new movie every week and try to determine which one is cooler, robots or dinosaurs. With me as always is my co-host, a new co-host every week. And this week, my co-host is actor and host of the Benny D Primetime Show, which you can see on Facebook, Benny D. Hello, Benny. Hey, how are you? I'm great. How are you today? I'm doing very well. Will you tell the listeners what movie we're going to be talking about today? Well, we are going to review Universal Soldier, starring John claude Van Damme and Dolph Lundgren. It's a classic. I agree. The 1992 classic, Universal Soldier. Ben, my first question for you is this podcast, we talk about robots and dinosaurs because the main thing that we're talking about every time with every movie is sci-fi. Robots and dinosaurs are big tropes in sci-fi. They're things that are very commonly used. So what made you decide, when I asked you to pick a movie for the podcast, what made you decide on Universal Soldier? Well, that's a very good question. I mean, Universal Soldier is a version of the version of robots where the military can use robots to protect the innocent, you know. But it literally, the government literally gets it out of hand as Dolph Lundgren turns into a unstoppable Universal Soldier and Jean-Claude Van Damme tries to be human again. You know, the, the way it's done is fantastic. It continues to the unknown sequels, Universal, Universal Soldiers 2 and 3, which don't star, don't star Jean-Claude Van Damme, but, you know. Oh, interesting. They're, they're, literally, they're literally hard to find in hmm. video stores or on Amazon. You know, I had to buy my copy on eBay. Does Dolph Lundgren come back or does Ali Walker come back in any of the sequels? No, no, they don't. Um, the characters are the same, but they're played by different people. Matt Battaglia plays Luke Devereaux, and Chandra West plays Veronica Roberts. And in the, in, the second, in the second film, Gary Busey plays the head villain. And then in okay. the third film, it continues, that it continues as, as like a miniseries. And Burt Reynolds plays the villain. And that's when the franchise ends, that era of the franchise ends, and then when in Universal Soldier of the Return, John Paul Van Damme returns, and it's a very different format. I see. That, that is a little bit of a bummer. We're going to get into this, but I think Veronica was my favorite character in this movie. Absolutely. I, I thought that, too. And, like, Ali Walker did such a great job as Veronica so, Roberts. Um, Veronica well, let Roberts. me ask you, Ben. When you think of robots in general, do, does this, is this movie one of the first things that comes to mind? Or is there sort of a design of a robot that's iconic to you when you think of robots or just the concept of a robot well basically this movie comes to mind because you know the way it's done is so unique i agree it's basically a marketing point to like either arms dealers and stuff like that or it's the way it's used to enhance the military yes that seems to be something i notice in a lot of sci-fi movies where robots show up is often they are built for military purposes. They're usually built for 
either fighting in wars so that human soldiers don't have to risk themselves or so that they can supplement human soldiers. But most of the time, they're built for some sort of attack purpose, right? More so than I would argue, more so than a defense purpose. I agree. I agree with that. And, you know, I, I mean, it's disheartening that the soldiers have to die first to be turned into robots. But, you mm. know, I feel like it's just the way it's done. You know, in the second film, in the second film, Jerry Busey kills soldiers on purpose and like, you know, turns them into robots like like the original project. It's an intent to do that is to sell it to the high, to sell it to, you know, criminals, you know. So maybe not the most efficient way of getting new soldiers. Right. I, I wonder what would happen if they tried the experiment on a living soldier. I wonder what would uh, how, how they would resist it or, or what would go wrong. So these, so these soldiers, these robots in this movie, the soldiers, what, one thing that makes them really unique to me, one uh, that's really interesting about them, is that they are based on human living tissue, but they have these sort of rules where um, if they're used for too long, they get overheated. So then uh, yeah. Jean-Claude Van Damme, for example, has to get completely naked in front of an air conditioner. And they, they, they don't seem to need to eat or sleep. However, they have the ability to eat, certainly. Jean-Claude Van Damme, uh, GR44, proves that in the diner scene very well. Why do you think they decided to use the army, or the military in this movie, decided to use dead humans rather than, I don't know, maybe constructing them out of metal or something like that? That beats me. I mean, I feel like the human form really could trigger enemies a little bit. Benny, tell us about, you know what I think might be one of the reasons. Can we talk about the scene when they first get used to go into a hostage situation? Yeah. It seems like it's at like the Hoover Dam or something like that. Yeah. So what, what are some of your thoughts on that scene? That seems to be the first time that they're publicly testing the Unisols. And it seems to be a very successful public test. That's also where we meet Veronica because she's a, she shows up it seems like the press was actually invited to cover this event, which is really interesting because so much of this experiment is top secret and the guy in charge of it seems to really want to show it off. So he makes this whole press event. What do you think about that? Well, isn't that's the scene where Dolph Lundgren turns, turns rogue. Yeah, he sees um, his dead Unisols and it reminds him of his dead buddies in Vietnam. Yeah, I mean, I feel like it's thirst of, you know, trigger, trigger sense, like an emotional revenge and stuff like that. So Yeah, it seems that the, the thing that makes these robots, these, um, Ben, can we call them cyborgs? Would you call these robots or cyborgs? Cyborgs, I... What's the difference for our audience? What's the difference? Well, cyborgs can be used with human tissue and ro regular robots are just made out of metal, you know? Okay, I agree with that. Yeah, I think for, for it to qualify as a cyborg, it has to have some human parts and some robot parts. And that uh, is, is distinct from an android, which is designed to look human, but doesn't necessarily have human parts. But these, I would say these are cyborgs. And I think one of the things that, that is the benefit of using them is they already have this military training. So they already have those memories and they already have the, the ability to work as a team and, and go into tactical situations. So that's what they, they use to their advantage. The 
The downfall, however, what's the drawback to using these humans as, as cyborgs? Well, I mean, they, they can get destroyed a little, destroyed easier, but you know, in that, like say if you fired a gun at a cyborg and the bullet hits the cyborg, you can't, you can't even die, you know? Yeah. It, 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 it take a lot of work to kill a cyborg. And then they're, they're, uh, you mentioned their emotional triggers happen, which seems to override their programming. And I think that's very interesting that as much programming as, as there as, uh, has gone into them that makes them follow orders exactly as given, they also, when, when they're in an extreme emotional situation, it seem, that seems to be more powerful than their science programming. Right, right. We see that a few times, especially with Dolph Lundgren's character, his, uh, I wrote down that they call him GR13, um, and he calls himself Sergeant Andrew Scott. Did he have, did they give any of the, the cyborgs any other name other than their, their designation number? Or were they all just GR and a number? I feel like they were all just GR and a number, you know. Do they ever say what the, like, is, does GR stand for anything in particular? Well, that, that's, that's, that's revealed in the third movie the third oh. movie like okay that is a very interesting question so okay gr stands for in the first two movies generic rejuvenation i think mm. but you know in the third movie burt reynolds character is named gerald risco and it's revealed in the third movie that burt reynolds named all his soldiers after him because the director of the cia wanted to create armies to you know for a secret government project okay so we get sort of more of an origin story in part three yeah that's cool so gr is the the name or the initials of the person that designed him. that's a cool detail i did not yeah, know burt reynolds plays that character in the third movie very cool. I love Burt Reynolds. Yeah. Um, rest in, all right. Rest in peace, Burt Reynolds. Rest in peace, Burt Reynolds. Ben, there's um, there's one other robot, two other robots that I uh, that I saw that I noticed in this movie. One of them we see a few times. It's really more of like a robotic arm. I don't know if I would call it a full robot, but it's that robotic arm that injects the serum into the back of the Unisol's heads when they're strapped to that chair. Uh, later on in the movie, one of my other favorite characters, Garth, uh, the scientist, gets killed by the, this robot arm. And Ben, do you watch a lot of 90s movies? A lot. Uh, a lot of the time, yes. Have you noticed that this sort of thing happens in a lot of 90s movies where some piece of technology, usually like where someone is strapped to a chair, uh, some piece of like robotic technology ends up crushing them or stabbing them <laughs> or something malfunctions. A lot well, of times I haven't, it's noticed, I haven't noticed that much, but you know, no. brings, it reminds me of a film called The Running Man. With Arnold Schwarzenegger. Tell us about The Running Man. Well, you know, Arnold Schwarzenegger gets put in this chair and gets strapped into a chair and like he's on a game show and like, you know, he gets sucked into a, in this world where he has to fight like these in invincible warriors. Yeah, yeah, a lot of like, a lot of high-tech chairs in the in 90s movies. Yeah. Another robot in this movie was in the opening credits of the movie, this huge truck pulls up into this like airstrip and the truck starts transforming. And I was immediately excited once I saw that. I was like, this movie has a transforming truck. 
cyborg, 25 years dead soldiers from Vietnam are, are coming out of it with like the, these scopes over their eyes. I'm really excited for this movie now. <laughs> as soon as I saw a transforming robot truck. Yeah. My next question maybe doesn't relate to this movie, but I ask it uh, to every guest. So I asked you, what is a robot? What is a dinosaur? This movie does not answer that question, but just because we talk about it in the context of sci-fi, what is, what is a dinosaur to you? I feel, I think that dinosaurs existed long ago. Like, you know, I'm not really a fan of dinosaurs, but you know. Okay. Like, you know, it's just. Would you call yourself a robo fan? Are you a fan of robots? Pretty much, yeah. Yeah. All right. Let's move on from dinosaurs then, because they really don't appear in this movie. So um, there's no need to, to linger on them. The next question I have, it's sort of two questions. And you've already told me a couple of really interesting things that might, might answer this. But let me just ask you formally. I want you to tell me at least one of your favorite moments of this movie and something that you think I might not know about this movie, some piece of trivia or some personal story or connection that you have to it. When, you know, John claude Van Damme and Dolph Lundgren, like, are in that rainstorm at the end of the film, like, he's, Dolph Lundgren threatening to kill his hostage, and, like, you know, they start fighting, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, I'll yep. shoot him in the head, fire, and, like... Do you remember what Van Damme says just before he finishes Dolph Lundgren's character? Uh, he says, um, you're dead, soldier. What does he say back? Well, he said he was alive. Uh-huh. No, I'm alive. But I love the moment, I think this is my favorite part of the, mo- the movie, when he impales him on that shredder machine. Oh, and just yeah. before he presses the button, he says, uh, you're discharged, Sarge. <laughs> yeah, like, like in the second film, the, Matt Battaglia did the same thing to another soldier. He put him in a shredder machine. Oh, that's funny. Did yeah. he say um, some sort of pun or quippy line right before there we, there we get on? No, he didn't. No. <laughs> like, you know, after Veronica Robertson and Luke Devereaux reunite in the second film, like Gary Busey comes out from falling off a railing and like they, they shoot it. Oh, goodness. This movie takes place about 25 years after the Vietnam War. And those are, Jean-Claude Van Damme is a soldier. As far as I could tell, he was an American soldier that was fighting in Vietnam. They, they comment on his accent at one point, I think. Veronica asks him something about his accent. She says, uh, are you from France or Canada <laughs> because of your accent? And Jean-Claude Van Damme replies in a very, very thick accent, what accent? Right, right. Why do you think he had that accent? Is it because, because we meet his parents later on. And, and yeah, I think they, they live at uh, like a farmhouse and Dolph Lundgren ends up coming to attack them at their farmhouse. But it, I, I, I seem to remember that it was like somewhere in America. It didn't seem like they were French, but this was a thing in 90s movies with Arnold Schwarzenegger. A lot of times when he was in an action movie, because he had such a thick, iconic accent, they would always uh, find a way to justify that his character is from Austria or from some other, some other place in America, right? Have you noticed that in any like Schwarzenegger movies? Sometimes, yeah. Ben, what do you think it is that causes GR13, Dolph Lundgren, what do you think it is that makes him start wanting to take over the project? And what makes him churn and and no longer, he makes it so that they're no longer able to control him? That's a good question. I mean, I feel like his system overrided. 
it was confusing to me when I watched it, but you know, I just, what do you, what do you think made, what do you think it was that overrode the his system? Was it uh, like the situation that he was in? Probably. Yeah. Yeah. I think you mentioned that was right after he saw a lot of the other Unisols getting killed. And that must've reminded him of seeing his whole platoon get killed in Vietnam. There are a lot of really fun, small characters in this movie, like the motel clerk. I feel like he does, he, when he showed up, I wasn't expecting the motel clerk to be much of a character, but he ends up getting a lot of really fun comedic moments. And then unfortunately, his whole entire motel gets gets destroyed. <laughs> the, movie's so, the movie was so vivid to me. Yeah, so that's when uh, Jean-Claude Van Damme and, uh, and Veronica are hiding in the motel and Dolph Lundgren comes to find him and they bring all of the other Unisols and they basically smash through all of the walls they start shooting machine guns at it for, for minutes at a time until the whole entire motel just comes crashing down and burning. And it's uh, very, very weird, very funny. <laughs> so then this movie ends with, as I said, my favorite moment when John claude Van Damme turns on the shredder and um, destroys Dolph Lundgren. Can I ask you how you said that character, if not Dolph Lundgren himself, but that character comes back in the sequel. How do they reconstruct him from so many pieces when he was shredded. He wasn't reconstructed. Um, he wasn't reconstructed. The, the movie, the movie, like the second movie picks up from where Universal Soldier 1 left off. So he, Andrew Scott is, and GR13 is never reconstructed. It just picks up from, it starts off as the second part of the story when Gary okay. Kennedy, who plays uh, Art Mazur, lands his chopper and starts killing soldiers to make new cyborgs again oh i see so 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 the the characters from this movie do they return like Devereaux? does luke Devereaux return yeah luke Devereaux returns no in in the second in the second movie he tries to find his brother eric oh cool who's in the military and all that is his brother also a unisol yeah he he tries to be like they try to make him a unisol but you know he's so hesitant to be a unisol and then, like, you know, they find him and then they take him to safety and then, like, like the enemies find him and, like, you know, he's... And Luke's brother is killed during a gunfight. And then in the third movie, they try to reconstruct a different human being, a human being to make it look like a replicate, a replication of Eric Devereaux in the third movie. Oh, cool. He tries to... You know, they make him evil, but, you know, Luke brainwashes him into making him like his regular brother. And then, you know, he explodes. Yeah. Interesting. That's a trope that I see a lot with robots is a robot that's built to look like somebody that you trust in order to gain your trust, you know? Yeah. I've seen that a lot. And uh, it's, it, it often is like, sometimes it's like a, somebody builds a robot to replace somebody and just have it live their life, like a mimic or like some kind of changeling. And that's, I think one of the fears that we, we have about robots is that they are in a lot of ways going to not only do start doing the jobs that we do. And some people are afraid of that, that ro robots are going to take our jobs if everything becomes automated. But some people, uh, sci-fi seems to, to talk about this. Some people seem to be afraid that robots are literally going to replace us and, and look like us, which is kind of a scary thought or, or, or a fun thought. What, what do you think? Is that, would that be scary? Let's say you found out that somebody that you're friends with, one day they're like, hey, hey Ben, I've got a secret. I'm actually a robot. I've been a robot this whole time. That's why I always look so young. Would you be like, would you feel betrayed? Would you feel, would you be upset at your friend? 
or would you still be friends with them? Interesting question. I mean, like if they were a robot, I would forgive that. I would, you know, I don't know. I, I didn't, wouldn't know what to believe, but robots sort of like are unique in a way, but they have yeah. their characteristics. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Yeah. I think I would definitely be mad if I found out that somebody I knew was a robot built by the government to like trick me in some way. That would make me mad. I wouldn't like that. Yeah. But I think, I think if I met a robot and it just wanted to be friends, I'd give it a chance. Yeah. Yeah. Robots can be good. Um, have you ever seen the movie Big Hero 6? No, I haven't. I have. Oh, that that's a movie with a very uh, good, friendly robot in it. Ben, I have, a, I have a few more questions, but let me just ask you one more time. Do you have any other like favorite scenes in this movie or any other things about this movie that you want to talk about? Well, I mean, I just want the viewers to know about the second and third movie that, you know, you can find it on eBay, you can find it however, or if you want... If you want a copy of the DVD, let me know and I can lend it. Awesome. I might hit you up for that because I loved this movie and I definitely do want to watch the sequel. I want to watch all, all three of the sequels, actually. Okay, my next question is, Ben, does this movie make robots look good or bad? Is it good? Is it positive or negative representation of robots? I feel like it's a positive rendition of robots because it's like the military tries to protect the innocent in wars and like, you know, with robot soldiers, they would make it easier to end wars and stuff like that. I would agree with that. I think the robots are are good, mostly. they It's the people exploiting them that are bad, like the colonel. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Benny, I've got two more, two more questions, and then uh, I think that'll be a good place to wrap it up. So my one first bonus question. This is a question I like to ask all of my guests. I am the kind of person that when I go to the movies in the theater, I get popcorn every time. I love to have snacks and candy at the movie theater, especially popcorn. What about you? What's what's your snack? I love popcorn so much. You know, I kill for popcorn in the movies. With butter and salt, I love it. Love it. So because a lot of us are, we can only watch movies at home right now and have been for the past few months, do you have a favorite uh, at-home movie snack? Or do you just, do you make popcorn at home? Well, I have a lot of snacks. I have like dinners and lunches, like in all types of food. When I watch movies, it's, it's sort of like my thing. Sort of like my thing. Yeah, me too. I, I find myself planning most of my meals at home around uh, watching a movie just so I can sort of multitask. Maybe we will, we will get back to the movies eventually. I mean, yes, we will. We will get back to the movies eventually. I mean, this pandemic is not going to last forever. I agree. That's and it's good to hear some positivity like that. I, I, mean, I fully I agree with that. I mean, this, yeah. this is irrelevant right now, but I mean, you got to have positivity when it comes to these types of things. We'll be back in the movies before we know it. I 100% agree with you on that, Benny D. And that's something I think our listeners should take to heart. You know, I mean, stay they'll, positive. They'll get, they'll get effective treatments and vaccines for this, for the coronavirus. And we will get back to the movies. We'll get back to our lives no matter what. You know? That's right. We're all in this together. Benny, I've got one last question about sure. Universal Soldier. If they replaced the two leads, the two main characters in this movie, if they, instead of Jean-Claude Van Damme and Dolph Lundgren, if they were played by Whoopi Goldberg and Danny DeVito, would that make this movie any better? And, and who would you cast as which character? Well, that's a tough question because, you know, both those characters, both those actors, like, I mean, I feel like it would be like a spoof comedy version of Universal Soldier. I mean, I feel like Whoopi would play Luke Devereaux and Danny DeVito would play Andrew Scott, you know? Oh, yes. That'd be, yeah, that'd be very funny. I, I would, I, I almost uh, feel like 
Universal Soldier is a comedy version of Universal Soldier. There's a lot of humor in this movie. There's a lot of really funny, quippy 90s style pun one-liners. And there's a lot of really funny uh, reaction shots of the characters, like the motel clerk and stuff, where they just sort of mug to the camera. That for as as bloody and actiony as this movie is, it's also very light in humor. And I, I like that it does both of those things. Do you think it leans more into action than comedy, or do you think it sort of is both? I think action comedy, I think, you know, a little bit of comedy, but mostly action. A little comedy, mostly action. I agree with that. Yeah, it's it's like at least like 80-20. 80, 20. 80 right. action, 20, maybe 20 comedy. Right. But the comedy's good. The comedy's very funny. <laughs> right. Especially Veronica. Veronica, I like I like Veronica as soon as she shows up. She's driving into into the scene and she's like smoking a cigarette. She's got tennis shoes on. <laughs> uh, she just got a lot of personality. What do you what do you like about her? She's very attractive. Yeah, yeah, that too. That too. She's got that like very tough, you know, she's very independent. She's nobody can really like mess with her. And she's always got like a, a, a smart answer for everything, which I, I think is fun. Yeah. Cool. Well, Ben, is there anything that you would like to promote or plug? On well, this well, I'd like the viewers to know about Benny D Prime. I'm always looking for guests to interview and during this time. And like, you know, I'm just the point of Benny D Prime time is to give optimism to artists and all people out there that we will get back to a brighter world. All right. That's a good message. Can you tell us about uh, like what sort of guests you've had on in the past? Well, I've had mostly artists on the show and we basically talk about how they've been doing during the pandemic and how, and how, when the, what their artistry is like and like have some conversations like and I give them optimism about the future and, and I also play a little, little bit of games with them like Jimmy Fallon does, you know? This is basically, uh, Prime Time is basically a mix of Jimmy Fallon and CNN. That sounds really fun. So you're like a talk show host, like a late night uh, talk show. So that sounds really fun. Where where can people find Benny D Primetime? Well, I mean, it's on my personal Facebook page, but my personal Facebook profile. But I have stuff on YouTube, but you know, they're unlisted right now. I mean, I'm hoping to make them public eventually. And uh, so, Ben, if somebody wants to search for that Facebook page or that YouTube channel, what should they search for? Well, in order to see my web series, you'd have to friend me on Facebook. Ben Dworkin. Somebody wants to request to be a guest, I'm open to guests of all kinds. All right, there it is. So uh, you want to, if you're interested in Benny D Primetime, if you're already a friend of Ben Dworkin, which you should be, go ahead and check out his Facebook page and you can find his Facebook live feed there, Primetime Benny. But if not, go ahead and send in a friend request. So Benny, any last thoughts before we wrap up? All good. All good. Great, I want to thank you for coming on to Robots versus Dinosaurs today to tell me about Universal Soldier. I had a lot of fun and I'm really glad you came. I will definitely watch Universal Soldier 2 at some point. I'll let you know when I've seen it and maybe I'll, I'll invite you back to talk about that movie. What do you think? Sounds great. Sounds great. Thanks, Ben. You're welcome. You're welcome. Thank you very much. Classic.